1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. All the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came unto Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So what we have here in 1 Samuel chapter 8 is the people of Israel wanting something new, something different, something foreign, something outside the will of God. Now we always have to be careful as the church of Jesus Christ when we want something new brought in. When somehow the old is not enough and we want something different something new. So the elders, they make a visit to Ramah to consult Samuel about this matter of something new. And that's revealed in the text that we read there. They want a king. They want a new king. They want a dynasty, a monarchy to reign over them. And let's be very clear about this at the start. This is not something they should be wanting. This is outside God's will. This is a kind of a gimmick that they think will help them, that will make them more secure, that somehow may be a means of blessing them as a nation in the days to come. If we have a king, it'll get better and better. It'll give us more success. It's the thing. And that's the attitude, I believe, about this. Now, in chapter 7, the church was revived. We saw that the flame for God seems to be burning brightly under the ministry of Samuel. But as I say, about 50 years, 30 to 50 years has passed, and it's not so bright, and the people are looking changed. The old paths are not enough. The way of the judges is not enough. This way of God of raising up in his providence deliverers and saviors. This is not enough. We need a monarchy. We need a reigning king to deliver us in days to come. And this is just a lack of faith. Really, that's what this is. And you get this, you know, as time passes. Even in the church, it's not only Israel. This happens in the church too. One church can be under a powerful ministry for years and years, can be a great blessing, but, you know, the old paths go and the, the elders are looking changed, something new, something different. Happens time and time again. And it's very often a lack of faith and failure to trust God and a failure to use the old appointed ways and just to wait on God and His deliverance and His intervention and His power. But trying to create something, to stir something up, Trying to bring the success in the flesh. So this is getting prosperity and security and blessing and success by a a well-tried human gimmick. A monarchy. Israel here then is like that. Monarchy is, is the fad. Well, you're probably saying, what's wrong with a monarchy? After all, didn't God allow them to have a monarchy? Didn't he give them their will? Yes, he did, but that doesn't mean it was right. 
There could have been something far better. He gave them their monarchy. We know that. He sent leanness into their soul. Doesn't the Bible say that? He gave them what they want, but sent leanness into their soul. Sometimes the Lord gives us what we want, but the soul suffers. The church suffers. That's really the problem with, with the Christian church as it is. The Lord's let them have what they want, but suffered, just like Israel suffers. So there must be something wrong with this. Because there are tensions in this chapter that, that we read, and you've probably detected that changes outside God's will bring tensions, and, and there are tensions in this chapter. Tensions with the Lord, tensions with the prophet, the man of God, the minister of the word. Notice, it doesn't please Samuel for a start. Verse 6, whenever they make this demand, they come the whole way to Ramah where he is living, and they say, give us a king to judge us. And the thing displeased Samuel. He was not happy with that at all. He was maybe even angry. And some have thought here, well, Samuel's at fault. He is taking it too personal. He is feeling knocked about a bit. You know, a wee bit out of joint because they don't want any more judges and he's taking that bad and they want a king, they want something different. And maybe he's personally offended. And maybe that's why he's displeased. There are some people who, who take that line, and perhaps that's true to a certain extent, that he's just jealous, he's offended for his own sake. But I do not think that's a real problem. Samuel is one who is a faithful servant of God in the Scriptures. He's not one who is rebuked by the Lord the way Eli was. He's not the one the Lord comes through time and time again to check no, we, we can't put on faithfulness and impute iniquity to Samuel without very good reason. He's displeased. The thing displeased him. And there are those, as I said, that he's offended because he's training his sons to be judges. And obviously they don't want them to be judges. They want a king. And so they think people think he's taking it personal. But I don't think that's the case. I think they're wrong. It's not the real deep reason why he's displeased. He knows this is foreign. He knows this is outside God's will. He knows this is not according to the word. That This is not right. So he's displeased. But nevertheless he does take it to the Lord. He prayed on to the Lord about it. Which is always a good thing. Whenever things are, people bringing things to you about changes. Uh, to bring it on to the Lord before you, you know, you jump on the bandwagon and go with it. But more importantly, however, the Lord sees it for what it is. If Samuel's displeased, the Lord is. The Lord's not happy about it. It's an offense to him. And the Lord said unto Samuel, verse 7, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee. But they have rejected me. You see how the Lord sees it? It's a rejection of me. They won't have me to reign over them. It's a rejection of my kingship, Samuel. That's how the Lord sees it. This is just typical Israel. He goes on to say, according to all the works that they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt. This is just typical rebellious Israel looking changes, looking something else, not content with the old past. 
Nevertheless, hearken unto their voice. But Samuel, you solemnly protest. And you tell them the kind of king they're going to get. What this monarchy is going to be like. And we read that. It's not pleasant. They'll be crying out. And you read the history of the kings. There are very few good kings among them. It brought troubles time and time again to Israel. And so the Lord sees it for what it is. And he rebukes them. And he tells Samuel to be, to be a protester about it. Uh, and he does all of that. And the people say, well, we, we don't care. We still want a king. So they're stubborn. That's really the heart of the problem then. We don't want the Lord to reign over us. So God doesn't think the king the request is harmless. Because you see, in Israel, the Lord is their king. The Lord is their king. It's the king, Jehovah. The one that reigneth in the heavens. The one that sitteth on the throne in the, in the Holy of Holies. Between the cherubim, he's their king. The Lord is our king. He will save us. As the psalmist puts it. Yes. They fail to recognize their king. They fail to recognize. He's the omnipotent one. And he's king of kings and lord of lords. They want another king. And so this is just typical Israel. This is just their usual history. As the Lord points out here in verses 7 and 8. Always reverting back to this business of rejecting their king. You know, that's a great plague of Israel. Rejecting their king. Why? They have the best king of all. Of course, Israel doesn't see it like that. Oh, we're not rejecting the Lord. No, no. To say we want a king is not the rejection of the Lord. It's just a new way to be governed under the Lord. Just, just something practical and, and it's up to date. And we have to change with the times. No, we're not rejecting the Lord at all. We're just changing with the times. We're just going with the flow. We're just you know, you, you, using human wisdom and implementing this. But that's not how the Lord sees it. This is a rejection of me. Very often the things that come into the church that are foreign, that's how the Lord views them. They're just rejecting me. What I say. They're just rejecting my headship, my kingship. We have to be very careful when we bring in new things into the church. So we have to be careful about our, our fads and our changes and our crazes and our up-to-date policies and our new paths and new ways. We have to be careful that not any of them are just a, a rejection of the Lord. And a lack of faith. And a lack of trust in him. And waiting upon him. And just, just fleshly. And disobedience. So we, we have to be careful. And as I said, this is a problem with Israel. Always rejecting their king. Now I'm sure that as you've read this chapter. And thought about it maybe in, in your own time. That you have been thinking about. Pilate's judgment hall. Because whenever Pilate had the Lord Jesus before him, 
And he, he set the Lord Jesus before Israel and he said, Behold your king. And no doubt Pilate was mocking them when he did that and when the Romans did that. But nevertheless, the picture is presented to us whenever Pilate brings forth Jesus, Behold your king. And it shows to us just typical Israel's response. Because what did they say? Whenever he brought them out, he said, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him. Crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. We have an earthly king. We have a monarchy. We're under Caesar. We don't recognize this man as our king. We reject him. We'll not have this man to reign over us. That's just typical Israel. It's all encapsulated there in Pilate's judgment hall. The hundreds of years of history and and the 2,000 years since, it's all encapsulated there. We'll not have this man to reign over us. Present day Israel has a democracy. They think they're a great democratic society, though a a very secular one, a very ungodly one. And it's still the same old message. We'll not have that king to reign over us. We'll not have Jesus Christ. They're still rejecting their king. Continuing on in that business. Let's look at the excuses that they make. Verse 5. They said unto him, Behold, thou art old. Samuel is old. That's true. Many years have passed, as I said, since chapter 7. His sons are growing up. He's grey-headed now. You know, he'll not be long until he's dead. They are implicitly acknowledging that you were a good judge. You've done well. And later on they did say that. We have no fault with you, Sammy. You were an excellent judge. You were faithful to God. We give our witness to that. They don't doubt any of that. But he's taking a back seat now and we need a new driver of the vehicle. We need someone to drive the nation now. We want something different. And we need a king. You see, God gave them Samuel. What's the problem with that? God gave them Samuel. And didn't God raise up Samuel? Didn't we see how God raised him up? Hannah, prayer, the Lord did it all in preparation. And God's able to continue to do it. Until finally the last judge of all comes, Jesus Christ. The Lord's able to continue to do this. To raise him up deliverers. To raise him up a saviour. Until the last saviour comes Jesus Christ. He's able to raise him up another judge. But this business of a monarchy. Saint Samuel's old is just really an excuse. They're still not trusting God. They're not believing the Lord. They're not even asking Samuel. What do you think Samuel? You're, you're God's mouthpiece. You're the prophet. You're the man of God. What do you think? No, we want the latest fad. We don't even want to ask God about it. We don't even want to care what the man of God thinks of it. We just want it. The second reason they give is, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. And of course that's true. The Holy Spirit has told us that, that Samuel made his sons judges in Beersheba, and they didn't 
walk in God's ways. They, they turned aside to lucre. They liked the money. They took their bribes. They perverted the judgment. And this is a reason why we need a king. As if a king wouldn't take filthy lucre and wouldn't take bribes and wouldn't pervert judgments. In fact, there have been many kings who have been far worse than Joel and Abiah. King's sons can just be bad as judges' sons and worse, as history points out to us. So monarchy doesn't prevent wicked leaders. And as well as that, Samuel, I don't think, had any intention of making his sons judges permanently. See, the Lord didn't come to him, you're just like Eli. Look what he did to his sons. Samuel, you're doing the same. You're going to be judged. Your house is going to be judged. God didn't come and do that because Samuel has no intention of making his sons judges permanently. It's just an experiment. You see, Beersheba is the most southerly point in Israel. Dan to Beersheba. It's just an outpost on the border of the land of promise. Go you down there and practice judging for a while. And we'll see how you get on. The experiment failed. The perverted judgment. They took the bribes. And you hear no more about them. Because Samuel had no intention of letting them judge the whole land after that episode. But these, these elders are coming. Oh, this is an excuse. You know, these judges, these sons of yours, we're afraid you're going to put them in power. We're going to be like Eli in those days. We want a king. It's just really excuses. And they're not being fair to Samuel. They're not re- judging righteously about this matter. And as I said, a monarchy's not going to do any difference anyway. Why not just trust God? I mean, after all, didn't God get rid of Eli's sons? Didn't God come and deal with the business and do, do it all about it, what he had to do? Why don't you just trust the Lord? without having to change his ways and go about a new fad. So a new method is not justified on those grounds. The old path of trusting in God is what is required. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is your help and your shield. Trust in him at all times, the Bible says. This is what Israel's called to do. Pour out your heart before him. Tell the Lord about it. So, there's a lack of faith. But these aren't the real reasons. Let's get to the real reason. It's the last one. But it's the real reason, as I said. It gets to the heart of the matter. The others are just excuses. This is the heart of the matter. Verse 5. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. That's what we want. We want to be like all the nations. Notice the word all. This is the thought among all the nations. It has been for generations. From time that beyond memory. You read about it in the book of Genesis. Abraham's going through the land. There's kings here and there's kings there. There's kings all over the place. The Canaanites have kings, kings, kings. God has brought them in by his mighty power into the land of promise. And here's Israel saying, we want a king too, just like the nations. This is the real reason to be like the world. It works with the world. We can use it. This thought has stood time memorial 
amongst the nations, we can bring it into the church. So that's, that's getting to the heart of the matter, isn't it? And whenever they were told the manner of their king and warned solemnly by Samuel, in verse 19, we read, The people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we may also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Oh, we want to have this king that we can be proud of, just like all the nations have their king. There he is. He's always at the fore of the battle. He's well dressed up. He has his chariots. He's all his bodyguards. We want that. We want a monarchy. Didn't we have the coronation there? Wasn't it all pageantry and show and celebration? It was all beautiful. It was all wonderful. We want that. Like the nations. That gets to the heart. They forgot the Lord was their king. They forgot the Lord fought their battles. They forgot the Lord went before them. Isn't that what happened under Samuel in chapter 7? Whenever the Philistines come out, their king thundered. The Lord thundered upon them and scared the life out of them and frightened them half to death and they run off and they were easy prey to be slaughtered. Their king did it. The Lord is their king. So these kings that they want to copy and be like, they they didn't deliver them from Israel, their nations. Whenever Israel come in, didn't they destroy Og? Didn't they destroy Zion? Didn't they destroy the kings of the Amorites? Don't you read about all these kings in, in Joshua? All these kings, one after the other, slain, dealt with. Destroyed one after the other. That, that's what the nation's kings were able to do. They weren't able to stop the Lord. We want a king like that. No. You have the Lord. The Lord's your king. He sent tokens and wonders into the midst of Pharaoh and Egypt. He, he destroyed the king Pharaoh. And he smoked great nations and slew mighty kings. As they sing in their psalms. We'll copy the world. Brothers and sisters, the Christian church cannot copy the world. It cannot. The world doesn't teach us. We teach the world. We are a light to the world. We are a light to the nations. That's what the Lord has made the church. A light. A light to shine for their king. A light to shine for the Lord among the nations. To show the nations we are different. We stand in the power of God. We stand on the authority of his holy word. We are utterly different. And you need to submit to God and to believe in the king, the Lord Jesus Christ. So so we have to glorify God among the nations and to show the nations that our God reigneth. Psalm 44, verse 4. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. There's the answer. Lord, command the deliverances for the church. You're our king. The Lord is our defense. The Holy One of Israel is our king. So these elders, they want to learn from the nations. That's not what God wants. 
we are to be a light to them. You know, whenever God chose Abraham, that's what he did. He took him out of the world, didn't he? Isaac and Jacob, they dwelt in tents. And they were chosen by God. They were chosen to be different. They were chosen to show the world how to live. And they were chosen to bring the knowledge of God to the nations, to the world. I mean, that's what Israel's all about. To bring the knowledge of God to the nations. That's why Israel was created. Well, it was created until Christ came. But they were to bring the knowledge up to the nations. And certainly after Christ's resurrection, that certainly is the, the ministry of of Israel is to enlighten the Gentiles to bring the gospel to the nations you see God shows us how to live he shows us how we ought to behave he shows us what we ought to believe and he shows us what we ought to practice it's all here just like in the Old Testament he came down on Sinai and he showed Israel how to live. Now, now you go out there amongst those Canaanites, amongst those nations, and you, you live like this. And our Lord Jesus Christ, he did the same on the Sermon on the Mount. He, he showed us how to live among the nations. That's what our business is, and trusting our King, who's promised to be with us until the end of the ages. And Israel always was failing to do this. But the New Testament church must not fail to do this. We must not be like Israel and not want to be like the nations but to ever be the light among them. Different. Let's be different. Let's be humble people of God. Let's just love the sinners and oppose the sin and preach the Lord and our, on the gospel that we believe and shine for our King. And as I said, Israel ought to have done this. And they never did. But you know, God's not finished with Israel yet. Because there is a day coming when this God of reversals that we heard about from Hannah's lips, when this God of reversal will, will do the greatest reversal of all. He'll reverse Israel. And they will receive their king at long last. And will be a light to the Gentiles. So one day they'll recognize their king. And they'll say, Isaiah 53, he was wounded for us. We didn't esteem him, we despised him, we rejected him. But he was wounded for our iniquities. He bore our sin. Arise and shine. You're late now amongst the Gentiles. So a day is coming when there'll be this, this reversal. And, and Israel will at last show us how to live. You know, Israel's going to be grafted in again, you see, into the olive tree. They've been cut off. And there's a remnant saved according to the election of grace. But God isn't finished. They'll be grafted in again. And there'll be great revivals. And these new missionaries in the Christian church, these, these converted Jews, at last going out, oh, we've rejected our king for thousands of years. But now we know him. And we preach him. And so Paul tells us all about this in Romans 11. Had they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. 
but rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world, if the cutting off of Israel has brought so much blessing to the Gentiles, what will it be whenever they're grafted in again? If such blessing came and they were cut off, what kind of blessing is going to come again when they're grafted in? If the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall be the receiving of them be but life from the dead? What does that make you think about? The valley of Ezekiel. The dead bones. Oh, whenever Israel's grafted in again, it'll be like that. All the revival. The dead bones living. Be like a resurrection from the dead. So it seems that something like that is ahead for us. It's all with God, but there are indications of these things in the scripture. The lessons from this portion then, very quickly. Decay easily sets into the church, brethren and sisters. Brilliant ministry, Samuel. A great revival. And a a generation passes and another great turning away. It's so easy to decay as time passes. That's what Israel did. That's what the church does. And brethren and sisters, it can happen to us too. You know? You know, are, are we like what we were 30 years ago? Really? It's very heart searching to think about it. It's actually very humbling. Because we have to be honest and say we're not. We do decay. As the years pass and as the years advance. But we need to keep turning on to the Lord. And asking him to revive us and to refresh us. And continue to quicken us with the word. To stir us up. So we always need stirred up, don't we? And then secondly, we do have a king in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and king. And we're just simply called to trust him. That's all. To reverence him, to obey him, to seek his Holy Spirit upon us, and his power to work in the hearts of people. And we're just ashamed for him, and, and not to mimic the world, and not to make ourselves like the world. We just become a laughing stock, really, when we're reduced to the world's ways. We have to be. Are very alert to that word like we want to be like they use this we want to be like that they have this success we want to have success like that that we word like we have to think about that we don't want to be like them we want to be like the Lord like the Lord our king the Lord is our judge the Lord is our lawgiver The Lord is our King. He will save us. Isaiah 33 verse 22. So we have to beware about this argument. Like the world. Like the nations. No. The old paths. The ways of the Lord. This is the way. Walk ye in it. A light unto my path. A lamp illuminating my, my way. As we've been thinking about Israel and 
the wickedness of Israel and how they continue to repeat this sin of rejecting the kingship of the Lord. Let's pray that the veil will be taken away from them, the blindness, and that they may see. They've rejected me, the Lord says. They've rejected me. Doesn't Jesus say that? They've rejected me. Behold the king of the Jews. They've rejected me. And the Lord Jesus is still saying that. 2,000 years later, they've rejected me. So let's pray. And we can pray in faith because the Lord has given promise about this matter. That there will be a great change in this earth. So let's pray that Israel might see. And that the veil would be removed. And that the hardness of heart would be dealt with. And that they would turn on to the Lord. When the veil shall be indeed removed by him. And that they will truly be able to say then. That God is our king. Working salvation in the midst of the earth. So, so let's, let's pray that the people of Israel may see. The Lord is truly king. That the Lord Jesus Christ is our king. And we have to muster under his banner the gospel. And we have to obey his word. And we have to trust him for the supplies of his grace and of his spirit. To equip us for the work of the gospel. So let's just pray and trust him.